You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good morning, traders and investors. Welcome back to pre-market prep. Are you guys ready to talk about inflation? Because I mean, that's what everyone's just going to be focused on, right? Down move in the markets yesterday, definitely bleeding out all day long. Um, got almost to that weekly number that we definitely are keeping an eye on. Today, we'll talk, of course, why CPI data was higher. We'll take a quick look. UK inflation coming in. CME Fed tool. We'll talk about Walmart and Target getting some buy ratings from key banks. Starbucks. Railroad strike could happen. And of course, economic data today. We got EIA crude oil inventories at 1030. PPI coming at 830. Excited to get into today's action. Rise and shine. It's time to start the day with pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit. This is Benzinga's pre-market prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, traders and investors, let's go ahead. Let's bring on the guys here. We got Joel Alconan here, and let's take a look at the overnight action. And we did get a little bit of a bounce, so let's we go did, ahead. We did. We uh, did. Not, I mean, it's hard to find good resist. There's old resistance up here. Uh, we'll just go to that pre-market high right now, 79.50. And we could just say that uh, you can't think about any kind of upside today until you get above and hold that level. 39.79.50. One second, uh, Joel, before you get too deep. Uh, charts. Uh, I thought I did. The old charts. I never hit, I never hit screen share, huh? Let me no, hit, I think uh, you had it on a different screen. Maybe let's just let's we'll reshare right quick. Get it on up here. Alrighty. Um, come on. 
this I, I thought I had a oh prepared. All right, pre-market low. There it is. That is at 42.50. The only number we care about on the downside is yesterday's low at 38.50. And then the low from last week, 3900. That could be seeing that today. Um, dollar down, not really making much of a difference. That's down 29.8 cents at 109.23. TLT, you know, that was kind of telling us a few days ago that things weren't good. Uh, down 82 cents at wow. 106.85. Crude, down 70 at 86.61. Gold in the red by 380. Who wants to own gold? Uh, that is trading at 17. 171360 silver in the red by a couple pennies 1946 and bitcoin in the red by $50 is the scarmucci ftx bitcoin rally over and dennis are you adjusting <laughs> you said you would buy stocks for a penny are you adjusting to a half a penny Maybe. are you going I might have to lower decimal? those stub quote beds yeah I might yeah? Have to lower those beds what are you 0.05 <laughs> i think you can <laughs> I, it, it's impressive, you know, how we can go from, we'll just call it and say it, from bliss to piss oh, yeah. just in seconds. That 830 number, when that hit, and I talked about this yesterday, my jaw literally hit the table. And I'm like, we're dead. And all I did was turn around and just start, like I said, I just started hitting bids and hitting bids and hitting bids. And I feel like I've been selling stocks for 24 hours straight. I'm like exhausted from selling stocks. That's all I've been doing. I went in the long-term portfolio, dumping stuff. I went in there. I mean, and I and again, like I said yesterday, when we were 402 on SPY, I tweeted out. I was like, I don't often sell the dip. I was mm-hmm. selling the dip yesterday. I was selling at 410, 409, 408, 407 SPY, all the way down, continuing to sell. You had to be a seller yesterday. Dip buying, not advisable, at least in my opinion. Um, obviously we don't have a crystal ball. Maybe it's going to be all, you know, like I said, rainbows and teddy bears coming back, but I don't see any path to get there. Now the analysts who've been, you know, saying all time highs by the end of the year are dead wrong, dead, dead, dead wrong. And I think now I'm starting to look at this and thinking, you know, I don't know if we're going to hold the lows. So uh, which lows, Dennis, which lows? The lows of the year. So going back okay. to June 360, that could get challenged here. If we get a crappy earnings season, Joel, which I've been saying is coming. Yep. If we get a Taiwan situation, which I've been saying is coming. I mean, this was the one thing we thought we were starting to potentially get in check that, hey, maybe inflation, maybe it has to peak. But we didn't need to see a number where it wasn't even showing with it. Like, you know, it didn't even slow down hardly at all. So people are saying, raise interest rates faster. Raise interest rates faster. Again, you know, like Kramer saying it every other day. He doesn't know what he's talking about. This is the way it works. It doesn't just like you raise interest rates, all of a sudden everybody is in trouble. It's slow. It doesn't matter the speed. They're raising them quickly. Don't kid yourself. They're going up a full point. They go up quarter point, quarter point, quarter point. This is ridiculously fast. They're going super fast, maybe too fast, because it's going to hit all at once. It takes time to filter through the economy interest rate raises. Again, and I've I've said this probably a dozen times on the show, the first thing, people, okay, I'm not going out for the fancy dinner. I'm maybe not going to buy that toy. Then you turn around and you start selling the toys. And then you start racking up the credit card debt. This all takes time. It doesn't matter if you're just getting suddenly hit with the interest rate. So it, it doesn't. It's not like it's just like, boom, all of a sudden we're broke. No, it takes time. Those payments are slowly just being more. 
$400,000 mortgage uh, off CNBC, $700 more a month now. Where's that money coming from, guys? It was coming from the Fed. It was coming from stimulus. It was coming from free money. We don't have any of that anymore. So, I mean, if you're still going to continue to raise rates here, eventually everybody is going to be strapped for cash. And that's going to show up eventually in the earnings. It didn't show up much last earnings season. I think it's going to start showing up this earnings season where we seem to continue to get warnings, except from Starbucks, who's all rainbows and, and teddy bears <laughs> over there at Starbucks at their conference. Oh, we're going to have 20% growth. You know, and the stock's <laughs> popping on that. Oh, just throw it out a number. Let's just yeah, throw just... it out there. Yeah, everybody's going to buy $5 coffees, but, you what know, a... like I could be the analyst there and say, yeah, ha, I, good luck with your 20% growth Starbucks. And I think the market is calling that because obviously Starbucks rallied substantially on that last night. It's coming down here now. So bringing it back to the whole thing is it doesn't help by raising interest rates faster. They're raising interest rates very quickly. What's just going to take time? to slow it all down, to slow the demand. You don't just kill demand overnight. It's going to be killed slowly, no matter how quickly you raise rates. And believe me, they're raising them very, very quickly. Yeah, two things. We sh- Number one, we should listen to our guests more because, you know, when we asked Blue, that was a couple months ago. Blue's coming on a week from tomorrow after the Fed decision, so put that on your calendar. Blue was like, he was... He, he told us the truth, Dennis. It, it takes a while for these things filtered through. We were way for too optimistic. Sure. And then uh, we had Rob McLister, the mortgage expert uh, from Canada. He was talking about it. And the like right now, like the rate, the rate rates are going up is just historically uh, much bigger than we've ever gone it, it's before. It's so fast. It's like, so fast. They uh, yeah. They they're, they raising, they're talking about a full point. Mitch, you're saying it's a 35% chance they're going to go a full point here now. Yeah. What do these people want? There's people who are saying raise them faster. This is historically as fast as I've ever yeah. seen interest rates going up. It's gone crazy. It's like back to Volcker times. Yes, it so is. It's going to hit. It actually is probably going too fast because what's going to happen is going to hit all at once. And you want a soft landing, you're going to have a crash landing here because they have raised rates so quickly. It's going to be like, boom, people are out of money. And all of a sudden it's like, I can't even afford to make my house payment here now. You know, you can see that happen, but it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't matter how quickly you go. I think they've done enough that it like I think they've honestly raised enough that it's going to show up regardless here now. But they keep going. And, you know, you're going to keep tacking. And they, they do need to do that. I'm not like, challenging the way Powell's going about it. I'm just challenging the people who want them to raise faster. I mean, how fast do you want to go? <laughs> you want a crash right, landing? You're going to get it. Yeah, Forget about it, the soft landing. It's going to be a crash landing. It's going to be ugly. This economy is going to all of a sudden come to a standstill. And everybody's going to be like, whoa. And then prices will come in. And it will work. His plan will work, but it takes time. All right. Okay. Well, I would just really quickly ahead, wanted Mitch. to point out here on the CME Fed tool and what I always look for and what I mentioned yesterday to kind of keep watch after the number came out would be the change here. Do Does the kind of interest rates change? And this is what I always try to take a, a look at, at least a peak. And you can see we were here at 91% for the 75 basis points. And now what are we? Well, we're at 64 for the 75 basis points. But where did the probability go to? It went to higher on up towards the full percentage point. It was as high as 40% yesterday. Now has gone down to 36%. 
but still pretty high to talk about a full basis point, a full 100 basis point move. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. I think 75 is still kind of the When is the last the time the here, Fed but... raised a full one point out of Fed? Well, clear. When is the last to... time that happened? Chat, you're good. Somebody's going to know that answer. I think. I think Joel is that back it. to Volcker times. I think. I don't Joel even. I don't even remember interest rates going up besides that time. I mean, you know, there's a little. Well, they've bit been going the down night. for so long, right? Sure. <laughs> I know they've been going down for so long. We're so we're so used to an accommodating Fed, and people are like, well, the market just goes up. You know, this is what it does. We've had an accommodating Fed. You know, take it back. I mean, really, since the early '90s. I mean, you can say, oh yeah, you know, we had a little raise rates, you know, in the 2000s, you know, there are a couple of places, but for the most part, interest rates have been trending down for so long. And what does it do? Like when it, you take it from like the prime rate from like one and a half to five and a half, it's not like taking it, and to Rob McLister's point, I think he was making this when we had him on last week. It's not like taking it from 15 to 20. It's a lot different because people are so yeah. levered now. Back in the 80s, they weren't this leveraged. So this has got to, this has got to, you know, show up here eventually in not even the lack of spending, but the consumer being dead. Like the consumer having nothing left. We pay our bills and that's about it. So forget about those fancy restaurants. Forget about those fancy trips. And you're seeing that in those stocks as well. You know, like you're seeing the airline stocks, the cruise line stocks, which haven't really been able to catch any life at all. Yeah, can't Carnival's 10 bucks, but come on. It's been I mean, there forever. Yeah, I mean, they didn't really participate. They participate a little bit, but for, for for overall, I mean, you just look at all this stuff and you just think it's got to hit the consumer. And the consumer, it's going to eventually hit these earnings. And unless we completely disconnect from fundamentals, which is always possible in this crazy market, I don't see the path for us to just all of a sudden, six months or a year from now, be back to all-time highs. I think we'll be talking about a deep recession here. Not about if we're going to recession, but it's going to be a prolonged one. Next person that comes on the show and says all-time highs, cut. Get the get the get the yeah, like the hook. Yeah, the hook. yeah. Just like because we got these off. people all the time. Oh, we got the stats. So all oh, the lavish <laughs> bear market six months. I mean, yeah, I, I could see. You know, at, at, at one point, you know, there were some people saying like, you know, forty-five hundred, and I could see maybe that coming into play. But if you were saying five thousand, five thousand, or fifty-one hundred, I mean, I don't know what you were seeing there. I don't get it, Mitch. I don't get that. That's just that's called just uh, extreme optimism. It's called just optimism. having the blinders on and saying we're yeah. going to be in a bull market forever. It's what it's called. Like, oh yeah, bull market forever. You know, like I said, rainbows and teddy bears for everyone. It doesn't make any sense. Sometimes this market, and people don't want to hear this, in 2022, there's been pockets of irrationality, but it has traded very, very, very rational. It has been a market that has actually made a hell of a lot of sense. And that's why it's been a pretty good trading year for me, aside from this month, which I don't know what's going on. I get dinged with bad luck. I've had a lot of bad luck this month where I'm like trading the same strategies, but just having news work against me so many times. That comes around though. Like uh, you, you go in these pockets of like, you know, where you have luck and no luck, but I'm not going to get my own personal trading here. I just want to stick with, you know, the overall macro yeah. here. Yep. and here's your problems one inflation is still hot new and we didn't think it was this hot before yesterday still very hot that is still raising rates you have gee to your point joel go in and let's have a visit over with putin <laughs> ganging up 
that didn't invite me. Good. I can't believe I didn't get an invite. I could smooth everything <laughs> out. Uh, Mitch, why don't you go into some of the statistics? Because I have something, and I, I'm just, you know, just information that people share with me. Mitch and I had a great debate while Dennis was out there banging stocks before we came on. Mitch, right? Dennis you know, make, you, trying to make money out there. We're over here just talking, <laughs> talking, Joel. <laughs> I tried try to get hit overnight and... They wouldn't. They wouldn't lift me overnight. We'll have to see uh, if uh, if it's another day to sell into strength, but or sell into weakness. But go ahead, talk your talk your stats, and then I'll I'll, I'll give some information I have, which I'm no economist. This is just stuff that I discuss with some other market participants. Go ahead, Mitch. All right. So I mean, of course, you know, we're we're gonna get different talking heads here to like, like kind this. of give you the ideas of what or, or why CPI data went up, right? And I think you, what you want to be looking at is kind of the change from July to August and of course the 12 month unadjusted, right? And so one of the things that I'm always looking for is where did we spike, right? Where did we go up? Where did we go down? In food it was at 1.1 in July. It went to 0.8. So it still went up, but not massively, not like it was in July when it yeah. slowed down a little bit there in food. Yeah. Now you went to, now you go down to energy. Energy went from 0.7 to 0.9. It actually went up. Why would it go up? Well, if you take a look here, it's not energy commodities. It's not gasoline. It's not fuel. Those are all going to the negative. That's a good sign for us. Where it's really bad is right here. And this is where I really want to highlight Hydro which is all about energy services. So electricity, utilities, um, utility piped gas service went from a negative 3.6 to a positive 3.5. That's the kind of flip that can bring inflation back up. And so if there's one area that I would keep watch, it's that natural gas utility pipe gas service. If natural gas continues to increase, in kind of the price overall, even if it's not maybe here in the US, maybe it's Europe that's really causing this. But if that continues to keep going higher, I will still see kind of this number going down maybe, but just nowhere near as fast as the Fed wants it to be. And that's something everybody needs too. I mean, you're talking about things that people don't have a choice to spend money on. So mm -hmm. obviously you're going to see deflation in consumer discretionary like you, you get into stuff that people don't absolutely need you yep. know but food energy and obviously the gas helps but you know the utility you don't think about your utility bill getting jacked up the problem is everything that wasn't inflationary the businesses are saying why are we not jacking prices right now we have the best excuse in the whole world COVID's still running rampant we can still use that so all businesses that you know haven't raised prices are now using every excuse that everybody else is raising prices it cost me three dollars for a loaf of bread it cost me two i mean i've got to raise prices as well and then you have the wage increases where people are asking for raises i mean it used to be oh we'll ask for a two or three percent raise people are asking for ten percent raises some people are asking for twenty percent raises so, I mean, you've got that pushing up prices as well. How do you break that mentality that, hey, everything is going to cost more tomorrow than it does today? This is what smaller countries, you know, this is obviously, you know, what have problems with, you know, hyperinflation and all the other stuff. We're not even close to that. But we're, we've been of, you know, in North America, we've had the luxury of having stable prices for so long, at least, you know, relatively stable, that we don't even know how to deal with this. So you're now taking that mentality of expecting your 
prices to be stable and you've changed it to unstable. And that makes everybody want more money. And if you want more money, you're asking your boss for money. I'm not going to work then. And there's a labor shortage going on too. And that's what prices are driving up too. So you have all this stuff adding up and you're trying to tell me that the stock market's going to new all-time highs. Companies are getting squeezed on both ends. They're going to get hit with the falling demand. But again, the prices, the inputs are not falling in, obviously, and they're going up. So, I mean, you've got wage increases on them. You've got material increases hitting them that way. And then you've got a potential falling demand problem, too. It's almost the perfect storm. So you add all that up and you think, why do I want to be fully invested in a market that isn't even historically cheap? It's 20 times earnings. So it was a fantastic trading opportunity for the last five days until the CPI rug pull. But you had to be getting out as quickly as you possibly could when you saw that CPI print yesterday. And like I said, there's not a lot of days that I sell the dip. But I was selling yesterday. Was one of them. Yep. Uh, even after I, I got out of all the trading stuff that I wanted to be out of my swing trades, get out of all of those. And then I went to my long term invest portfolio about 945. We're trading about 401 spy, 402 spy. I'm like, I'm selling this stuff too. I'm selling stuff out of here too because yeah. I think we're going to have a lot lower. You know what I love we about that? We dropped another Dennis? 100 points after that. Dennis, you know what I love about that, Dennis? And uh, this is, I think, a really good learning lesson for a lot of traders that are out there that are really trying to make this a full time job is you, the one skill that I've seen, you know, traders that actually, you know, profitable that you want to kind of be following their habits is they don't struggle in the moment to make decisions. At that moment, they make their decision and they stick to their call there. That's what I saw Dennis yesterday. He saw the number. He didn't struggle there. He didn't fight it. He didn't create a bias, confirmation bias, and just start making irrational calls. No, he just simply made his decision and said, it's time to get out. And, okay, and so you've, got, you've got to know, and one thing I specialize in is news interpretation. And I've done this for a long time where I read the headlines and I interpret what is that worth? What is that worth? We said it on this show. If that number comes in hot, Katie barred the door. We're going right back down to the lows. I'm like, it can't come in hot. It cannot do that. If it does, we're in big trouble. That scenario I did not think was going to happen. It happened. And it exactly played out the way it should have played out. We dropped 200 S&P points in a single day off of that headline it's got to be one of the biggest most vicious falls we've had in a long long time oh that it minute bar had to that, mi- that minute bar i mean that was uh it's Oof. funny because there was a quick pop like yeah. i don't know who saw the pop and i go <laughs> they like it and then i'm like they, they don't, don't like, like they it don't. they really don't like it but okay so what did you see joel okay what did so you this got? is all right. Now, I just want to qualify this information by saying, number one, I, I didn't make this up. Number two, I'm not economist. And number three, I haven't done a ton of fact checking on this. OK. <laughs> OK. So so don't best uh, don't um, don't make it's a good source. Though, right. Or it's any, a good source. Yeah, a good source. That I don't want to reveal, but don't make any investment or trading decisions based on this. But it's something that we're not going to know about for another month, okay? Mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying there's a high probability of this being true or not, but there could be a seasonal factor here that if we wouldn't have had this seasonal factor, maybe the number one wouldn't been as bad. 
And this is the information. I haven't just got it last night. I haven't dug into it. Who but food from? and beverages, Who food away from? from home. Wait, food. wait, where did you get this, Joel? Where did you get this uh, table? I haven't I got seen it. this table. Where did you get this from? I got this uh, from Evan Schnidman. Who is? Talk about Evan. Uh, Evan uh, started the company Prattle. Prattle okay, and company. we've had Evan on the show before. Yep. And uh, Evan, and now he's uh, working on a great re- website called Market Reader. Uh, that um, is working on disseminating the information uh, that's out there in in the world, Twitter, all these different sources, and identifying the you know, reason for stock movements. You know, uh, similar to other things are out there. And this is the statistics that he sent me. Okay, going back to school, I guess you don't want to. I guess you want to make your kids lunch. Because uh, food and employee sites in schools, month over month annualized, was up 730%. Okay? So, there's not a chance. I mean, they can't go up there again next month. The schools have been signaling for months that food prices were going to cause the lunch prices to go up. But it wasn't reflected in the school numbers until the school year started. So, one, I have a little problem with the data because school started in October, or excuse me, in August for some schools. Many didn't start in September, but they could have started doing their buying of food and parent, you know, certain stuff in August. So this is just the data that's there. Okay. They were buying the supplies. So we'll just have to wait to see if this was, you know, maybe. A seasonal factor. So I always brought my lunch because I just didn't want to wait in line. Sometimes I <laughs> bought my lunch and then if they had something good, I ate that too. Uh, DJ says making my kids lunch right now. Um, that's it. That's the only positive thing I that okay. uh, that was shared with me. And I've you looked can, at this table for 10 seconds here and I've got some concerns. Um, one, the 730% you're taking, I don't know how they're coming up with that number. It's a month over month is up 19% year over year, 23%. I'm not understanding how they're coming up and annualizing something. I mean, I guess they're looking at that rate of increase and then extrapolating that. If it continued to increase over the course of the months at this rate that it did in August, it would be okay. up that. So it's a. I think that number is extrapolated. It's not like, you know, it, it, it's extrapolated and it looks obviously crazy. So I'm assuming that they're just extrapolating that 19% month over month increase and saying if we continue to increase at that rate, we would be up 730%, you know, annualized. So don't get scared of that number. That number, it's obviously not going to continue to increase up 19% every single month. So, I mean, so one, I I wouldn't look at that second column and like, oh my gosh, say food was up 730% because it wasn't. They're saying if it didn't continue to increase at this rate, on an annualized basis, it would look like that. So look at the first column. I would ignore that second column okay. because it makes it look scary. Um, it wasn't that scary. Uh, but you're just saying there were certain pockets where we had significant inflation in August. And to Mitch's point, you know, energy obviously you, helped us. Look at this line that is given by the BLS. The index for electricity rose 15.8%, which is the largest 12-month increase since the period ending in 1981. Crazy, man. And that's something electricity. Oh, I'm going to just have less. Yeah, you can't just be like, oh, turn off the lights, guys. I, I always tell these to the turn off the lights. Now, now I have a good Hold on a second, guys. I'm going to start saving some money right now. Got to turn off some lights here. <laughs> well, you know, you can start thinking about that. We're all trying to go green and save the world. So, you know, put, use your energy efficient bulbs and turn those lights off as much as you possibly can. <laughs> 
I have no idea about that. All I can say, um, you know, so that table is a little bit scary, but it wasn't as bad as that middle column. Well, good, Dennis. I'm glad I got you to say, yeah, I just. But what it is showing, Joel, to your point, is that there was pockets of serious inflation, August. There was pockets of, and to Mitch's point with electricity, stuff that we weren't considering had some pretty heavy inflation going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, uh, yeah. you know, the crude, I mean, the crude coming down just, you know, I think we were probably, you know, had our rose colored glasses on, you know, looking at the, the crude oil market. Um, you know, someone said I used to walk to school five miles. I used to walk to school five miles uphill in the snow both ways with no shoes on. <laughs> That's how that's how rough. And I used to tie, I used to lace up my toes because I didn't have uh, shoelaces. So that's what I used to do. But uh, anyways, I'm just trying to, you know, just trying to give a perspective on things. Uh, if we go down for the next month, every single day, maybe going into the CPI, you know, put uh, the CPI right. next month. I'm going to put us on know. hold here. I'm going to put us oh on hold gosh, for one second. Oh my gosh, we're getting the PPI too. Thank you, chat. PPI, oh, let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah, focus yeah, yeah. in yeah. here. Let's oh, dial in. Going wide. I'm going wide because <laughs> it doesn't it usually move the no. market as much, but I think it could be market moving here because this market is already choppy going. Good into call. It. Good call. Look at that move yesterday, though. Go back to that chart. That oh, was I know. Awesome looking chart. So oh, that move on. out CPI, and I tell you, I I participated in that red candle, something substantial. Yeah, there. come so on, baby. I was uh, just selling stocks as fast as I possibly could, and I think every other algorithm was doing it, and every other money manager that had any clue would have been doing it as well. Um, go back and Joel. I'm trying. There it is. There it is. There it is. That again, just looking at that. That is the move from yesterday. That is nothing short of incredible. We That's the biggest one minute bar. We dropped hundred S and P handles without basically any ticking up. Like not not even a smidgen of a of, of a serious tick up. Basically just straight down. Boom, boom, boom. A complete repricing of risk. That is and my cell stop my cell stop limits did not get executed. Just to tell just to tell you. I'm going on mute. I'm gonna okay. right, let me give the wondering. estimates here right quick. Be, uh, so PPI month over month, the estimate is a negative 0.1 prior with negative 0.5. Um, then we look at the core PPI year over year, estimate at 7.6, prior 7.6. Core PPI at an estimate of 0.3. The prior being 0.2. Let's see what happens. Let's see if we get some movement in the market. And we definitely don't want to see us take out those 390s. Um, that's definitely something that I'm keeping an eye on. I don't know about you, Joel, but definitely those weekly Yesterday's numbers. low. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. First things first, Mitch. Let's deal with yesterday's low. Yesterday's yeah. low was 38.50. That Right now, that's the only thing I got on my mind. Uh, current low is 42.50. So, boom, you know. Call it what you will, but uh, that's it. Um, Pre-market high. It look, doesn't look like we're getting uh, much. Of, we got a little spike. All right, this here is we are. Yeah, year over year not. at 8.7 versus 8.8 .8 estimate and core PPI at 7.3 versus a 7.1 estimate. So uh, year over year, the core coming in a little bit hot there. Uh, month over month at 0.4% versus 0.3, also hot there. Um, not big, you know, not, not massively hot, but definitely hot numbers coming in. 
Yeah, I mean, as we said, you know, this is just not the uh, not the um, not the CPI data. They hit it down. They protected. Uh, didn't even get near that low of forty two fifty. Trying to catch a sustained bid here. I guess a little bit of relief. I didn't hear all the numbers that uh, uh, that, that you gave out there. But um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get above sixty one here, sixty one and a quarter. Uh, to me, would say that they let you know. I, it's just not a pronounced move, so it's hard. But I'm looking at 61 and a quarter here. If we could get above that, maybe we got a shot at the pre-market high. But I just don't think after yesterday's day. You know, we talk about streaks in the markets. After that kind of day, after four up days, you know, one down day, you know, markets are streaky. So it's hard to get too positive about that number. We're still green on the session, up three and a quarter, 39.53. Certainly um, not as exciting as yesterday. You got anything on those, uh, any more on those statistics? Nothing right now. I, I mean, it just coming in here, nah, it's like not, looking, nah. not looking like it's affecting too much. But if anyone was looking for maybe a flip from the PPI, definitely not getting that. No, no, no. But not, I mean, look at that. We're going to get rid of that one minute chart. Had a little spike up, but that didn't last. No, I mean, I, I think it, you know, just after a day like yesterday, I don't think a lot of big uh, money managers are coming in and throwing out a lot of juicy bids yet. I mean, there's really, it's being the first day. Now we're on, now we're, now we're trying to hold on change. So not a positive catalyst there to uh, do much for the market as we speak. Uh, still have the small possibility of an inside day, but I mean, you look at that 38.50. I mean, that kind of just looks like a sitting duck from yesterday, right? 39, 38.50, Tuesday's low. And then you get down to your early September lows, right? Uh, just uh, last week, last Monday, we made a low at 3,900. So uh, that's that. Should we, uh, should we bring on our guest and talk about, uh, Talk about inflation and what she's seeing out there. Yeah, we. I think we've heard enough about what Joel and I think and what Dennis <laughs> and I think. So let's just go ahead. Let's get to some fresh opinions out there. Uh, Joel, Joel, go ahead. Bring on our guest today. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise, and with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, yeah, because of her, her complicated name, right? Angie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Angie Setzer? What is it? Consur? Consus. It's just Consus. plain old simple Consus. phonetic. Consus. I am not smart enough to try to come up with something fancy. So is that no some words. kind of some kind of Greek god or what is that? Yep, it was the Roman god of protecting grain and storage. So one of mm. our biggest jobs is working with farmers on kind of learning how to manage their grain that they produce and store on their home farms, like an elevator would. So I managed a chain of elevators for 10 years. And one of the things I I really spend time doing is trying to kind of educate the farmer on the decisions I made and why I made them and why they should be looking at, you know, similar things potentially. So, okay. So So last last time you're on the show, we've had you on a couple of times since the, since the, uh, uh, the Ukraine war. And I had to make a separate phone call. I called you and you assured me that I was not going to run out of food. I was going to get, I I was not going to run out of food. I may be paying higher prices, but, and so far that prediction, we got a stock pantry here. We did the, the Costco, the Myers and the Trader Joe's. So we're ready to go. Costco. So far so good. Uh, But you got some information this week, right? Some fundamental information on the USDA reports. Um, Why were they so bullish? Well, uh, so heading into this report, I mean, one of the things, and I think any trader kind of laments on the same thing, right? But, you know, historically speaking, um, we get updated FSA data. So the USDA, we we kind of treat the USDA as this all-encompassing, all, you know, it just manages everything. It's got uh, three different distinct groups that we pay attention to in agriculture. Uh, the FSA, the Farm Service Agency, which kind of facilitates a lot of uh, crop insurance, it, it back you know, the background and crop insurance and some of these other things. And then we get NAS, which is the statistical service. And then we have the World Ag Outlook Board. And so coming into this report um, last week, the USDA announced, hey, by the way, we've got enough data from the FSA um, to be able to update in NASA's crop production outlook um, acres. You know, so we've been kind of, we we have, how acres are established by the USDA in, in, in our side of the industry is, is, March 31st, the USDA releases a survey-based estimate, and then June 30th, they release another survey-based estimate, um, and then they kind of take additional information from the FSA and mix it in, and, and there's usually this sort of gap. And so because of this gap between the FSA and the final USDA data, most folks coming into Monday were not anticipating any type of major shift in um in acreage. So we just were kind of coming in like, all right, well, they're going to adjust yields, um, probably lower in corn, maybe a little bit lower in soybeans. But the USDA came in and and made a major adjustment to um, corn acres, uh, dropped planted acres by about 1.2 million, which is a decent chunk, especially when you produce around 170, 175 bushel the acre um, on a national average standpoint, reduced soybean planted acres by about 600,000, and then really reduced soybean yield. So we really we got a, a, a surprisingly reduced production figure um, out of the USDA on Monday, and and most folks were kind of anticipating, you know, not that type of of cut. So you had soybean carryout come in about forty seven million bushels lower than expected, um, which is big in soybeans. That's not big in corn, but when you only have a two hundred million bushel carryout, you know, a fifty million bushel swing almost is is pretty substantial. Um, so soybeans rallied big time as a result, and then in corn. 
carryout came in. Our ending stocks for next year actually came in as expected because the USDA cut demand to offset the reduction in production, but we're still exceptionally tight. I mean, looking at both carryout figures for the U.S. as they stand currently, um, you know, in soybeans, you're looking at the tightest stocks to use ratio since 2012 and 2013, and in corn, uh, the tightest since 2020. Um, so, just when you think you're going to get a break from conversations surrounding high agricultural prices, you know, now we're holding our breath and have to make sure that Brazil can kind of step in and bridge that gap between, you know, April timeframe of next year until we can harvest the next, the next crop uh, next fall. What, what caused this? We had, uh, we've had a lot of heat and dryness in the Western Corn Belt, especially, um, you know, conditions out there have not been great. We had a late planting to corn in the first place. So we saw, remember all those stories in the early May about delayed corn planting and things of that nature. So we had one of the slower starts to corn planting and that tends to reduce population. It just doesn't tend to be as conducive to setting new records from a, a production standpoint. And so we, we knew that already. The USDA had adjusted yield lower in June, but then we had some poorer weather the last part of July and into August. The question folks will ask now is that we ha we we have certain ways to measure yield or or the USDA uses to measure yield that isn't incorporated in this September data. And so there's some talk that we could see yields increase from here. But honestly, you know, just seeing the reduction from the USDA on Monday will be enough to kind of keep folks um, holding their breath until we get through harvest and get a better feel for what we're actually looking at from an overall production standpoint. Okay, well, I got to ask the next question. I don't think I want the answer, but um, <laughs> what it so inflation, right? We we, yeah. we got we got kicked in the teeth yesterday. Today's number, the seam uh, as of right now, as of uh, eight forty Eastern Standard Time, uh, the street is acting, uh, you know, like it was okay. Uh, but from what you're seeing from uh, commodity and grain prices. Uh, what are the potential uh, short and long-term impacts for uh, inflation? Do you mean uh, for consumers or do you mean for folks in the agriculture industry that are kind of battling it themselves? Uh, uh, let's go to us, the okay. consumer. So, you know, for consumers, from a consumer standpoint, um, I think you're you're going to see the biggest impacts here as we work our way into the last half of the year in the last quarter, especially when it comes to your products that um, maybe contain a lot of wheat, your flour, um, things of that nature, because a lot of those folks were kind of trading um, new crop supply and demand and, and new crop uh, food production, especially in, in the case of wheat, you know, throughout the month of March and, and April, when we had those really wonky spread setups and we had a lot of other things that were going on that, that really kind of made it more difficult um, for the wheat miller uh, to communicate properly their risk with both the farmer and the end user who is the, the flower purchaser or, you know, maybe the cereal maker or whatever. Um, so I think you're going to start to see some of that. I think you're going to see a, a, a continued strength in beef, especially because, you know, every time we turn around, you know, we're looking at a cost increase in, in production on the, the livestock side. And I will always contest that no, the market does not care what it costs you to produce it, but that increase in cost of production is going to result in ranchers and, and farmers who have raised cattle in the past to probably, you know, maybe reduce their herd size and things of that nature, just because they can't really pencil the margin as it stands and they don't know what things look like going forward. So I think your meat prices will stay somewhat elevated. Um, 
your wheat prices are going to stay somewhat elevated. And then the, the biggest wild card now <laughs> comes into play. And I don't even know if I want to share this, but we're obviously watching what happens with the rail strike. Um, because oh, no, that's relevant. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, why not? Let's tackle this. Let's, let's throw something else in. Let's just throw something else in. But, you know, so we're now watching the rail strike. And, yeah. and that could, could result in some, some really major shakeups for processors, you know, whether it be food or uh, soybean oil, you know, soybean meal, some of these soybean crushers, ethanol producers, you know, you name it, frozen food uh, manufacturers. I mean, you see a a shutdown or um, we've already seen a slowdown. Like, let's be honest, the rail has been performing absolutely horrendously for like a year and a half, two years now, especially in agriculture, which has had a big influence in some of the things that we've been seeing from a market setup standpoint. Um, but it's a shutdown, you know, I think someone said the other day, like three days worth of shutdown is, is two to three weeks worth of unsnarling. And so, you know, there's some real concern there too. Um, you know, and, and so as a result, your, your food costs aren't come. I, I don't see how they come down outside of the fact that, you know, luckily here across much of America right now, you probably can still source zucchini on the cheap out of someone's garden, you know, but from an overall standpoint, um, you know, you're, you're going to see, you know, for market reasons, um, support underneath our, our food costs and, and the market structure as it is, because we still are somewhat tight when it comes to supply versus demand. But then also because you can, um, you know, we know that inflation is entrenched and, and no one's going to be the first person to stick their neck out and reduce their price, even if their costs have come down, because they have to soak up um, some of that extra margin if they can capture it here in the short term because it's cost them so much on the front end. So I wish I could sit here and say, oh, it's going to get cheaper. Um, but I mean, I think you're looking at a, a year. Now, I'm not saying things don't get cheaper in the meantime. This isn't my take on official data. But I think, you know, from an anecdotal sort of standpoint, you're probably going to see um, those food costs stay elevated and and maybe some shortages where you can't get hash browns or something random at the mire um, you know, remain an issue too. Now, uh, the question uh, that I have is coming from the chat also myself and I'm wondering what's going on in fertilizer. Oh goodness. That's fun. Uh, ele- fertilizer is going to stay incredibly elevated while the European energy crisis remains entrenched. And I don't see that going anywhere anytime soon. Um, Europe is a relatively large producer of, um, different types of fertilizer that farmers use. Now, the U.S. farmer doesn't necessarily import anything directly from Europe, but obviously a reduction in supply availability um, in one market sector is going to result in a, a an increase in demand from another because they've lost their, their supplier. Um, so you're going to see fertilizer costs, input costs, seed corn is going to go up exponentially. You know, not only do we have a reduction in production um, this past year, but the costs have gone up. Um, So you're going to see a significant rise probably in in seed. Um, So you're going to have fertilizer remain elevated, especially nitrogen. Um, You know, I I actually think you'll probably see an increase as we work our way towards the end of the year um, because the farmer traditionally will prepay um, for his or her usage in the year ahead. You'll also see, depending on the fall, we have, you know, kind of a run on anhydrous in parts of the Western corn, well, in parts of the Corn Belt, I say Western Corn Belt, but just mostly outside of Michigan, we don't use a lot of anhydrous for some reason. But you'll see a run on that in fall. You know, you're going to see fertilizer stay exceptionally elevated. You're going to see all inputs stay exceptionally elevated. And so that's going to continue to keep the farmer, you know, really nervous about what next year is going to bring. 
um, because we know our costs are going to stay as high, if not higher than what they were last year. But there's absolutely zero guarantee. You know, the Fed is literally telling us that he's going they're going to do everything they can to bring demand down. Yeah, to they drop said that. Prices. Yeah, they're, they're doing a good job. Um, all right. Uh, next question here. And I, I bet yeah. you're not pre- not prepared for this one. And and I just have to say this every time Angie's on the show. Um, Angie met her husband because of pre-market prep. Uh, I had Carl Setzer. Uh, I call him the king of corn. We got to get him on next time. Uh, but he's taking Colton to school. How old is yeah. Colton now? How old Six. is Colton? Six. Six. Yeah. So here's the big question for you. Yeah. Does do you pack his lunch or does he buy it at school? It depends <laughs> on the day. I have a calendar on the refrigerator that has crosses crossed out or has a star. A star is I don't have to pack crossed out as I have to. So is that I'm, just I'm already the, thinking about that at, at five in the morning. I'm like, do I have to pack the lunch today? Is that, is is that because he doesn't like it or because yeah. Okay. If I know he won't touch it, like today is like some chicken gravy bowl. He's going to look at that like someone served him something horrendous, you know, like he doesn't want to do it all touching. So. All right. So have he you noticed? Have you, it, it, oh, what, what did you make him? A little French bread pizza. I am not uh, yeah, okay. uh, a domestic. There's okay, a reason so I'm t- goddess of grain and not goddess of domesticity. Like that uh, that. So have you noticed a huge increase in the school lunch prices? Uh, we've been lucky enough. Our school's still been offering the free lunch up till really? uh, upper elementary. Yeah. So we've been fortunate. I haven't noticed, um, but I know that they had talked about an increase possible in the middle school and high schoolers. Okay. So. All right. Cause they probably, they probably don't eat as much because we, I saw some statistics where some of the inflation was due to, um, due to like the huge increase in, in school lunch prices. So, um, I don't yeah. know. I mean, when I, you don't guess how much milk, <laughs> white milk was when I went to school and guess how much chocolate milk was. Take was a guess. It, I would, what was the spread? 25 cents versus 75? Oh, this is how old I am. A nickel versus a dime. Man. Oh, that's a pretty substantial spread though. Like, Let's go back to that. <laughs> yeah. I got a couple dimes around here somewhere. Right? <laughs> that was a lot of time. That, that, that's revealing my age. Okay. Final question for you. Um, you know, you deal you deal with the farmers out there, right? And uh, you know, they up and down years, up and down cycles and stuff, and they're coming to you. Should I should I sell these futures? Should I buy calls or you know yeah. puts? Um, and I'm sure it's different for every you know. There's a lot of different farming situations that you have out there. But overall, I mean, you know, some some of these charts look pretty good. Uh, perhaps wheat, the one we th- uh, thought was going to go, uh, doesn't look as good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what do you, what are you telling the farmers? Well, I mean, one of the biggest things that we're looking at right now is the difference in price this year versus last year at this time. And so you're looking at a $2 increase in price in November soybeans and a $1.80 increase in price in December corn. And so a lot of folks want to point to last year and say, well, after harvest last year, we saw a significant rally, which we did. Um, you know, but we also started $2 lower almost in in both crops. And obviously that $1.80 is a substantially larger price increase um, for corn than the $2 one for, for soybeans. And so that's one of the things that we're trying to, to really kind of focus on is that right now, especially for my producers, you know, we're wrapping up the crop year. We know we have a good crop in most places. Like I have a few guys that are probably going to be looking at an average to slightly below average um, crop, but 
I have other guys that are, are looking at the potential for a record. So, you know, we're working on wrapping up the crop year. We have an idea of what production looks like. And so the conversation that I have is different with the folks that know what they're going to have or have a good feeling about what they have and the ones that, that don't. But the ones that do now, I think it's time for them to really kind of be looking at putting a floor in place under a good portion of what they have open. Um, and then if they really want to spend a little bit of extra money, at least put a value on that um, and own some calls has been the, the conversation. So when we were at 575, it was just hold on a minute. Like we're not done yet. This thing's got some time. But now that we're up towards the 680, 690 mark, you know, we're outpacing crop insurance um, price pretty substantially. Margin is there. You know, and if you're bullish, like why not? put a value on your bullishness um, through ownership of a call versus just kind of throwing it all to the wind. And, you know, I mean, you're dancing with the Fed at this point, even if we have tight supply and demand fundamentals, like, you know, does the the outflow of speculative money potentially outweigh, you know, the fact that we do have a tight carryout. And, you know, we've, we've been there in the past without the speculative money and the the high side of the market is, is very different. It's very obvious right. what speculators can do versus their you know absence great rap um i'll tell you everyone really likes um your pig and the cow in the background with the glasses <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting i'm getting several I just looked back there and i was like i haven't i haven't this is my first like on video interview since uh i rearranged the office and yeah and no yeah. one can blame me for being too organized Okay. Um, I am not, but I could figure it out. If you need something, you just let me know. Give me five minutes. I will find it. Yeah. Well, I would have to make a trip out there because you're just outside um, Lansing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yep. I'm gonna have to make a road trip uh, from the go out and uh, check out the home operation. Angie yeah. Sets, a co-founder partner at Consens ROI, uh, giving us a good look at the commodities markets. Always a pleasure. She's a great follow on Twitter. If you like a little, you know, sarcasm, uh, the, <laughs> go, the, the the goddess of grain. Uh, so we'll be talking to you again soon. Thanks, Angie. Thanks for Thanks having for me. I always enjoy it. All right, we're we're holding. We're doing okay. You know, we we haven't caved yet. Of course, the uh, the real liquidity hasn't come in. I know someone left the show uh, because we were being too bullish. Uh, we just try, you know, give both sides, of, you know, the argument. Okay. Also, people don't want to hear about the market going down every day, even though it had a horrible day yesterday. We have to look what's <laughs> in front of us, and we can see that we're green. We're up twelve handles on the December contract. We're coming yeah. into expiration. I mean, it is what it is. Is uh, is Triple D back with us? Is, is he still out I'm there? Back. I mean, we just Joel and we we just sold off. Let's get some perspective here. We just sold off two hundred S and P handles in a single day. So to say, you know, oh, we're up twelve handles, or you know, we're nothing. up twenty handles. It's nothing in the big scheme of things. We're going to be choppy. Nothing's going straight down. But I gotta think you want to be selling rallies now. Like to think about. You get back, and I'm not saying we're going to get back to S&P 4, like SPY 400, but if we get back to SPY 400, there'll be a mound of sellers that are caught from the previous day. People look to cut their losers. They don't want to eat it. And then when you get the fall, the bounce back, now you have a whole new area of overhead supply. Correct. And that's why the bull thesis for the short term is in, really, in real trouble. Now... Mm -hmm. So with that being said, could we bounce 50 handles? We could. There's, it's hard to predict. It was predictable that there would be a vicious sell-off yesterday after that 830 number. It was predictable that we weren't probably going to have one of these bounce-back days. That's why I was selling stocks all day. 
But now you're down 200 points from where we just were at this time yesterday. So you have a lot of people thinking, ooh, I want to buy the dip here. You got to break those people. Once those people are broken, then maybe you can think about a bottom. But I don't even think we're close to a bottom here now. So I think you've got to be using the rallies as opportunities to rate cash. I don't know if it's going to be a 12-point rally. We're going to pull the rug out from under it. I don't know if we've got a 30-point rally. We're going to pull the rug out from under it. All I think is there's going to be eventual rug pull yet. And I do believe that we're probably, at a minimum, going to test the low from five days ago. I'm not saying today, that's what but I over, wanna, that's over what, the course yep. of the next couple of days, okay. I think eventually we got a date with 388 SPY. So okay. I think if you're shorting, you know, into the rips here, I think you're going to make money. But, you know, obviously it can be painful to short. We should have had too. this rally. This was a this is a ridiculous rally that we participated Well, it wasn't ridiculous in. because actually we called it on this show. It wasn't like, where we did. did this come from? It was actually yeah, very, very oversold. predictable um, that, you know, everybody thought we were going to be light and they ran it up into the number and then it just wasn't. So it traded like it should have with the information that we had at the time and with the information we got at 8.30 yesterday morning. It's trade textbook. And now it's difficult because you don't have really the PPI. Okay, it was kind of yeah, right there. It's chopping around on it, but it wasn't, you know, definitively like in either direction. It's kind of there. Um, so and obviously not as important as the CPI either. So I think you're just going to have a very choppy day. You're going to have a battle where the buy the dip mentality is coming in at 390 saying, okay, we're going to hold these lows. This is my big chance to get in. And then you're going to have, you know, the sell the rip mentality where, man, this isn't good. Fed's still going to be going 100. We got a, you know, Chi, which we haven't even talked about. We tried to talk about, but then we got on a tangent visiting over with Putin. Um, you know, that, what's that mean? Um, it looks to me like, you know, you're getting divisive. Again, yeah. you know, you're getting that, you know, people taking sides. And obviously it looks like China's going to side over with Russia. You know, East versus West. All of that doesn't add up good for stocks. That's not either. bullish. That's not bullish. No, there's, there's, there. It's very hard to find the silver lining to build the bull case scenario from here. And maybe that's the only bull case you got is that maybe everybody gets bearish and you know, and then when we just go higher from here. If the market was trading twelve or thirteen or fourteen times, I'd be like, well, we're pretty cheap. Eventually, you know, that's a good value spot to you know that we're going to get through it. The market is historically on the expensive side right now. So we're just, you know, it's the perfect storm. And to, and to Cameron Dawson's points, who has obviously, you know, been on the show multiple times on CNBC all the time. It, it, the, the market is just historically she expensive. She likes her show better. But anyway. <laughs> the, the market is just historically expensive, it's expensive. right now. Yep. So you've got a, a situation where you're fighting the Fed if you're a bull. You're fighting you know, what is happening with China and obviously supply chains and all the other stuff if you're a bull. And you're fighting valuations if you're a bull. It's like the perfect storm for not going to new all-time highs. Are we going back down to the lows in June? I think it's more likely you go to the lows than you do to the highs. We're kind of in the middle right now. Yeah, we 360 still are. to 430. I think you can safely say you're going to have some overhead supply from yesterday now building. So anything over 400 on SPY, I think, is a set as a sell zone. Now, is there a buy zone down at 390 SPY? 
temporarily, but that buy zone could get taken out very quickly. That's really I'm, important. Yeah. I'm more I just inclined. I wanted to yeah. yeah, I wanted to focus on that. Um, you know, just taking things on a step by step basis, right? We had to rally. Um, we are back to where we were about a week ago. We're actually above the lows from last week. Um, you have you have a great setup here. What you know, to be bullish and to be bearish. You got the low from yesterday at 3850. It's being protected today so far. I mean, a breach of that, you know, a test of 3,900, a breach of three. I mean, it, it's simple. It's laid out. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not looking for anything between 39, 3850. I mean, you know, uh, and 3,900, the lows for last week. So we made a new high for the week. We came back down. I mean, the, the setup is there. I, I agree with you. Also, you talk about new supply in the market. What about all the people, the smart people out there said, you know, I'm going to sit this CPI out. Um, I had a nice run. I took my chips off the table a little bit early, but I'm going to come in, right? I'm going to come in. And if they really kill the market, I'm just going to come in and I'm not looking at even for it to go back to spy 400. I'm looking at it to go back to spy 396. You know, they bought it yesterday. So there's all those intermediate term buyers that could care less about the long-term macro picture. They're just using their risk rewards and their, their algorithms, right. To, to, to base the trade. So there's a whole nother layer of, of supply out there. And that's like, it was just so hard for me to do my, you know, my levels because, you know, what do you have above the close that, you know, today, what do you have for resistance? Yeah, There's nothing. But it will form. It will form. Yesterday, we just built a whole, to your point, we just built a whole new level of sellers. Everybody who participated in the four-day rally and maybe were hoping for a bounce to get, you know, the majority of their profits back, the bounce did not happen. We just got a tip from Sharif. Sharif, thank you very much for the $49.99 tip. I like that uh, pricing as well, $49.99. Looks cheaper than $50, but... Uh, very nice. Thank you very much for the tip. I think we just need to take our buy the dip mentality and put it on the back burner. Exactly. exactly. And it's just too much risk in this market. It's all about risk reward. There is so much risk in this market that even if we go up, I'm not comfortable with the risk. So you might get lucky and maybe it's going to be the case where, you know, the reward is going to be awesome, but I don't see it at 20 times earnings, you know, on, on inflated earnings at that. And an earnings season that we're killing consumer, trying to kill consumer demand, which we're eventually going to do. This soft landing is gone, folks. Forget okay, it. Okay, I got to I'll let you guys uh, finish up. Uh, Mitch, I know you're still there. I'll check in with you guys later on. Everyone have a good day and uh, yeah, use good, good risk rewards, good setup. Keep a real close eye. That low from yesterday, 38.50. We got the 42.50 overnight. That's what the bears are gunning for. And and the bears are going to keep gunning here. And that's the problem. The bear, bears got a lot of food now. And the bears got the bulls caught. They got them caught yesterday. So it's a bear market right now. And the bear market is back. So approach that cautiously. People don't like hearing negative. I know I'm getting some heat in the chat. People don't want to hear. But... I mean, at certain points in time, we're just realistic here on the show. We're not, I'm not paid by companies to, you know, advertise stocks. You know, we don't have to be biased to the long side. We can be as traders, we can be biased, bearish, we can be bullish. Doesn't mean we're pessimist. It means we're traders. And Mitch, you know this better than anyone. People confuse pessimism with being bearish. It's a completely different thing. They're like, Dennis is always a pessimist. 
he's always talking about the bad case scenario. Well, no, I listened to the show three years ago. They called me an eternal bull because we were buying stocks and we were in a different market. In the last year, yeah, it's been, you know, it got silly. In the last year, I've been very bearish on this show. But it doesn't mean you're a pessimist. It means you're bearish. Definitely. And I think if anything, we've been warning that, you know, this kind of downturn in the spy was possible. If anything, you know, we've been definitely talking about it. Even when we've had those bear market rallies, we've pointed to history and you know how they always say, right? History doesn't repeat, but it could rhyme. And it's been making a, a lot of sense lately, at least from this downturn that we've had, because inflation really hasn't gone away. That's what the CPI data told us. You know, everyone wanted to say that inflation had peaked, that it was going away. Well, it, it, it might have peaked, but it ain't going down as fast as they want it to. That's for sure. And, and that's the problem. And that means the Fed's going to stay the course and we're still fighting the Fed if we're buying stocks. So you can, you're can you going to have tradable rallies. There's going to be lots of opportunities to buy stocks. But I, I think as traders, and I know people are so scared you know, to short stocks, but I still feel that if you want to do this as a business, you've got to be able to go both ways. Because if you're you know, just 100% on only buy stocks, it's tough to make money when the market's down 16, 17%. Good money managers are like on the long side are down 10% this year. That's a good money manager because the market's down more. So, I mean, as a trader, I'm trading market neutral. So I'm not necessarily bullish. I'm not necessarily bearish. Sometimes I skew it when I've got an opinion, but most of the time I'm like market neutral. You know, and you're trying to take advantage of any efficiencies or you're trying to take advantage of your individual strategies. And I think, you know, traders shouldn't be scared of, you know, in, in years like this, going market neutral helps. In years like 2021 or 2020, when you're market neutral, you're probably underperforming the market because everything's just rip, roaring higher. But, you know, overall, the market doesn't go up 30, 40, 50% a year. The market might historically go up six or seven. So there's lots of other opportunities in there. I think you still need to be able to go both ways. All right, I'm going to go ahead and wrap on up. I'll get Dennis on out of here. You go do what you do best, Dennis, and go Try get it. into that trading action. And it and it's a tough market. It's definitely a tough market, especially dealing with these kind of whipsaw types of moves. And this is why I was really concerned on not, you know, Monday. Monday is when I was really kind of more concerned about taking, you know, new long positions going into the CPI because potentially we didn't know what was going to come. And I think that this is also important is understanding that when there's a lot of uncertainty in the market, there's nothing better, at least in my eyes, than taking profits and then leaving to a reaction afterwards to make some investment decisions. That's the way I like to approach it. Like always, you guys approach it in the way that you want to, but uh, definitely don't want to be opening up a risk when I feel that a number could come that I don't know what it's going to be, whether it's going to be hot or, or light. Well, I didn't want to open myself up to some new positions. Now is when I'll start looking at trying to do some new positions, right? After we've gotten a really hard down day, we'll see what happens today. But I do want to invite you guys on over, smash the like button. Don't know if you guys caught it yesterday, but check out the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference. It's going to be another great one today. We got a lot to talk about. Um, and we had a great one yesterday. Don't know if you guys caught yesterday. We had, of course, Mike Tyson on, Ric Flair on the screen, on the stage. And there was some uh, kind of untalked about things. Uh, one thing that I'm not allowed to talk about here. So if you guys missed that panel, 
I would definitely check out yesterday and maybe fast forward to check out that panel on what happened during the stage. But we won't get into that. Check out today. I want to give you guys the agenda outlook. One area that I want you guys to check out, and these are one hour delayed, so it's going to be actually 5.20 p.m. Eastern because it's in Central Time. It's in Chicago. So if you're in Chicago, you can still make it to the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference. Just come on over. Um, now, of course, uh, today I wanted to point out one of the panels here, which is how a passion uh, for relief has driven these athletes to build consumer loyalty. You got Al Harrington. If you don't know who Al Harrington is, just type him into Google and see some of those basketball highlights. You got Ben Wallace. I mean, come on, Detroit lovers, you guys got to come out here. Uh, we got Rob Sims, Calvin Johnson. Yes, I said it. Ricky Williams, one of my favorite. And of course, uh, John Capriella, High Times is going to be the moderator. So we have a great, great panel for you guys. That's going to be at 5.20 p.m. But don't forget it. It starts at 10 a.m. Eastern. You guys can catch it right here on Benzinga. I want to see you guys on over there. I myself am going to be catching some action. I'll see you guys next time. Hit the like before you get on out of here and the subscribe below. And we'll see you next time right here on pre-market prep. And just to remind everyone, no at the close, no intraday market coverage today. We will be doing the cannabis conference. We will be back tomorrow, full show, full slate. I'll see you guys next time. Hit the like and let's keep on going right here on Benzinga. know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry-free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.